and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and this week I have the regular crew. I have Mark, and I have Steve. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How about you? Doing fairly well. Pr- uh, proud of myself for getting that intro right, even though I haven't done it in <laughs> about a month. Wow. Steve, how are, you, how are you doing? I'm doing great, all things considered. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He got some mucinex in him. I do. He's all he's all clear up. Eighty percent less coughing. It's so great. That stuff is amazing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, this week we have another talk show. Um, and like we always do, we want to start off with our segment, Wish of the Week. In Wish of the Week, we talk about anything we're excited for, from movies to RPGs to video games. Uh, I'll go last because my my Wish of the Week is kind of a transition for main topic talk. So, uh, so yeah, let's start with Steve. Steve, do you have anything exciting? I do indeed. I uh, got a pickup. Let's see if you can see it on the webcam. I don't know if it's clear enough to read. Mm. Oh, wow. What on earth? That is beautiful. This is the Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons book, okay? It's a hardcover. I picked it up at GameStop, and they have a, oh. they have it as sort of a graphic novel because most of it is just kind of a like an animated kind of well, like a you know, comic kind of graphic art, you know, yeah, story. Yeah, absolutely. But the hardcover one that you get at GameStop uh, actually has straight up D&D content um at the end. So it's got like the character sheets that they use. Like basically the whole story is about Rick and Morty playing D D, right? And um mm-hmm. or with the whole kind of crew there. And uh at the end of it it's got the character sheets that they use for their actual game, complete with like doodles and notes and everything. And That's great. beyond that, there's actually the the module itself that they play through. So you can play through the same kind of D D game with your players, sans Rick and Morty ish stuff, although it has kind of a Rick and Morty feel anyway. But yeah. it's just a super cool content or concept, and I really dig like the whole like let's hide a module inside you know this this <laughs> graphic novel. So graphic novel, I don't know. That's beautiful. It, it's really fun, really funny stuff. That's great. That's awesome. I might need to go to my local GameStop and pick one up. It would be the only reason <laughs> to go to seems... a GameStop. <laughs> Absolutely. What are those anyway? Yeah, exactly. Um, true. Yeah, Mark, what do you have? Well. This week, on a very special Wish of the Week, uh, <laughs> I am proud to announce that Steam Spy is back. Um, Steam Spy is back? Yay! Yes. It left? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been, uh, it's been uh, off the market for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Game Crafter mm. stopped creating the box for it. So right. it had to kind of go offline and uh, hasn't been, uh, I haven't been able to sell it at all. But they've just uh, they've come up with an alternate box, and uh, so I've I redid the artwork, got that back in, and it is back up and running now. And so if you... beautiful, not just alternate, but I would submit improved box. This one really is nice. Yes. The two parter, it's 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 really really great. Yes, I I, I haven't actually my actual wishes to see this because I actually haven't gotten a copy yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
the box is <clears> bigger. Uh, it's a little bit more solid. And that, that was always one of my complaints with the original sets was uh, the box was extremely flimsy. The stuff didn't Absolutely. fit real well. So I'm I'm really excited about this, and, and I'm glad to have it uh, back online. Um, Beautiful. I was, I was really kind of sweating Megacon because if I had no product, mm, that was yeah. going to be a really long weekend. But uh, <laughs> now, now, you know, this is still, this is there, so I'll have something. Uh, I'll have some, definitely have it there and have it online. Um, now, that that doesn't mean that there still might not be stuff to look forward to with Steam Spy. Uh, I think <laughs> uh, second edition is, is still on the way, but at least now you can still get uh, the, the current edition and dive in and uh, enjoy that. So. Mm-hmm beautiful i'm really looking well, forward yeah, to seeing I'm, it i think it's a great it's 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 cool it's got a new box and it's it's uh yeah i'm looking forward to it yes yeah i might need to get me a get me a new new updated box okay <laughs> yeah because i don't have all the card sets either so oh well oh, there you go yeah now's the time so, yeah. yeah grab one of the other card sets with the new box exactly can, yeah perfect well for me this week um earlier this week a very important trailer launched for uh for avengers endgame uh, it gives us a little bit more than a teaser trailer like it like it did last time um but yeah i just kind of wanted to talk about it and get get you all's feedback and and get your hype and, and see how you're feeling about it um yeah well i i thoroughly enjoyed the trailer myself um it gave some good uh some good teases, some good looks at what, what you're going to, you know, what you need to expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Steve, as, as the resident Marvel, Marvel head here. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, what do you think? I'm, I'm going to let you guys down. I haven't seen um, uh, Captain Marvel yet, so that's got more of a direct kind of lead into it than, you know, anything. But the trailer for Endgame does look amazing. Um, it's It's got the right kind of tone. It feels kind of bleak, but kind of you know optimistic and it gives you kind of a feel for you know how they can get back to it but we'll see how it goes um it also looks like this might be more than just an excuse to wipe out everybody who they wanted to renegotiate contact contracts with so that's a good sign um <laughs> yeah absolutely i don't know i it, it looks super solid to me i'm i'm very much looking forward to the movie yeah agreed agreed mark what do you think uh pretty much the same but it- Pretty much uh, has has maintained my uh, my interest in it. Uh, it, uh, it it's done what a trailer is supposed to do and make make you want to see the movie. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Let's jump into some. Uh, well, let me let me outro us from uh, <laughs> Wish of the Week, and that'll be it for this segment of Wish of the Week. On to some main topics here. Uh, what do we have to talk about, gentlemen? Bunch of a lot to talk about. Just a lot to talk about. Uh, Mark, let's talk about uh, players taking initiative. Um, That's actually a good place to start. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, start at the beginning. <laughs> good point. Very good place to start. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Mark, what do you have? Well, just something I was thinking about, and uh, I, I think this came from a discussion somewhere, but I don't remember where. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, it's about. Uh, players taking initiative and, and i'm not talking about rolling initiative and 
and turn order. I'm talking about players who dive in and take action. Um, a, a, a good example I can think of is uh, Zach, our very first game of 7C. Uh, yep. I think it was. We were playing, and uh, you said there were a couple of, of guys off of the corner, and I took off running after him. I didn't wait for any you know description or permission to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, we had never played, so you didn't really know me that well. But, right. uh, you know, so <laughs> what, I think was you were this, a little... Was this, um, was this Flash Bash, first episode of Flash Bash? No, no. Or was the, this first, first episode? So the very first, uh, the, was it? For the, Glory and Fame. For Glory and Fame, yeah. Mm, uh, yeah. So we had the other, you know, so we had really, so you really... Nobody knew anybody. anybody. Yeah. So I was, I was completely in the dark for, for what to expect from anybody. Right. And it was a case of, you know, you threw something out there and I dove in, <laughs> I went after him and, and yep. got some action going, um, action that you weren't necessarily expecting, but, exactly. um, you know, and, uh, I, I, I would, I, I would think some of that is a good thing, but, uh, you know, is there too much, is there a point where it becomes too much for a player to be well doing stuff? I've seen DMs get flustered at this sort of thing before, where they're just like, you know, like when players kind of cut them off a lot and and you sort of like, and honestly, I don't think they should. I think that is like a sign that, you know, having engaged players that are like, you know, going to cut you off or jump into stuff. I think that's something that you can really roll with. And especially when, you know, unless it's a matter of like, you know there's absolutely critical information that that would affect their decision if they cut you off yes. halfway through and jump in and say oh you know you walk in you see three orcs and they're and they're like i kill the orcs it's like okay you kill the orcs at their <laughs> birthday party or whatever it was like, <laughs> right, know, like right. yeah <laughs> like, i didn't finish the part about the dragon you, you yeah let me say that part but, yeah. but clearly if they're <laughs> that motivated to jump in and cut you off then maybe they don't notice the rest of the things in the room and and you should be able mm-hmm. to kind of fluidly roll with that as a gm instead of saying wait, 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 let me, like, finish first. Like, you, maybe maybe take the cue. You know, maybe roll with it. Maybe that's what makes Absolutely. the story dynamic. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and that what that's what helps you become a better GM. Yes. Because mm-hmm. you're able to roll with those punches and, Very and true. do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, yeah, I, and, and you don't want yep. to discourage enthusiasm at all. Never. If yeah. your players yeah. are enthusiastic. Oh, oh, never. That's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, it's certainly. Better I'd rather have a group of five enthusiastic people than than one one and a half enthusiastic people and <laughs> people who just kind of sit back and wait. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this is a little yeah. bit different than I think we've probably talked about quarterbacking before, where if you've got like somebody in the party that's kind of dominant and kind of running things and not giving yeah. people a chance, but that's that's a whole different ball of wax. I think if you've got somebody that yeah. wants to be impulsive. And like once is so engaged with it that they want to jump out before you're done describing it, then you know let them mm-hmm. let them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I believe you know taking that initiative and quarterbacking are different things. Quarterbacking is almost like a personality trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I can see them running together. I can see. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, but but yeah, they are different is- issues, and treating them differently, you know, you can, you can weed out the good from the bad. Well, yeah. and you mentioned, you know, making it like not ha- having to do anything with turn order, but you know, you kind of could have it have something to do with turn order. Honestly, if you've got somebody who's like, you know, out in front and is always like, oh yeah, it, we're going to throw down. I pull up my sword and like before anyone gets a chance to do anything, 
maybe that character would also be impulsive, and maybe he would kind of jump out in front of the wizard and, and do stuff before the rest of the party has a chance to react. Like, if they're being in character, then maybe this is a good time where, like, deferring the dice rolls uh, in favor of the narrative wouldn't be a bad idea. Especially if the, 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 the players are kind of, you know, uh, yeah. reflecting traits for their characters, you know. I would Right, and that's... Go ahead. Uh, that's kind of reflected with like surprise rounds. Like you could give, you know, your party say, Oh, this is a surprise round. They don't know you're here. And then, then, you know, Mm -hmm. because that can kind of supersede initiative. Well, and and obviously you don't want to just like not give your stupid goblins a chance to go. I mean, like, you know, you'd still roll dice for your side. And in the event that they, the the party was ambushed or something, you could say, no, unfortunately they got the drop on you. They're going first. That that's valid. But when it comes to like the different players interacting, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the thief is going to hang back and see how this develops before the the tank jumps out and starts swinging a sword. Yeah. So yeah. and maybe maybe they've become slightly more tactical as a group and mm-hmm. and say you know one person can set somebody else up for something and mm-hmm. and they you know instead of just skipping their turn and going hey I want to wait you know you as a GM can go okay you know pick your initiative kind of thing well, yeah and right. if you can if you can infer this based on the actions of the players or the the enthusiasm of the players or whatever you want to say then and and avoid a dice roll then i think that just makes everybody a little bit more kind of um, immersed yeah the other mm-hmm. side of that argument though i would say is you don't want to be penalizing newer shy players and you know Absolutely. building frustration there because they're they're being hesitant uh and not getting a chance to do anything because somebody else yeah. yeah then that that's when it turns into quarterback that is kind of true yeah yeah, yeah. yes yes <clears throat> yeah that's fair absolutely um kind of kind of going along the same lines um kind of starting at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> i've got a post here from reddit uh that says i told my class that i was organizing a tabletop game and dot 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 nine people wanted to join <laughs> wow i'm so scared how do i deal with all the players um you know this is a real good question and then some people in the comments have uh have some good points but what do you guys think what are you what are your thoughts before we i've never had that problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've never agreed i've never had a game with too many people that have wanted to join but it sounds like a yeah. great problem to have Right. This sounds like this. This is probably somebody in high school or maybe college. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, because I told my class, so there's people you know, and, and you know, it's a different situation. Definitely, when this yeah. stuff was just easier. Um, but what if here, you know, cha- altering this slightly? What if you have more people that say they want to play than you're comfortable running a game for? Well, I uh, actually I do have a little bit of a experience with this, I guess. Um, yeah, I talked about it. I did some uh, vampire LARPing, and yes. that had a huge group. And so what they did was they basically broke it into two different games that okay. were running simultaneously. So they had a, a GM that was running a werewolf game and a GM that was running a vampire game, and there was interaction and and that going on. But we each had our own individual storylines and things going. So that's one approach is just break it up into two games Mm -hmm. um however i would recommend uh doing as much crossover as you could you know having players switch switch around groups that's uh, a good idea so you can determine who works best off 
which groups because you know dynamics are are going to fluctuate with with different players and different combinations and yep. game masters in different combinations so um, absolutely yeah that's a that's a simple approach i would think relatively i agree I agree. Steve, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think it'd be a great problem to have. I've uh, again, I don't think I've ever run into like too many players in the same group, but yeah. and 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 there's always good ways to deal with it. Um, you can try modifying your story to work with a larger number of of people, but at some point, like I mean, like tabletop RPGs, LARPing is one thing because everyone's sort of running around and and it's actually pretty good for larger groups because yeah. you know, everyone's kind of working sort of in real time as it were. But for tabletop RPGs, they, you, you are going to sort of have problems if you get beyond a, a certain size group. Like, I've never done a story with more than, like, I think maybe six people tops. And even at six, I was having troubles making everybody, keeping everybody engaged. Like, you know, if you've got six people to go through and around a combat before you can get back to you, then it's no wonder they're sitting around spinning dice after a while. So, you know, it's I, I, I can see how there are dangers involved in getting a group that's too big. I would say another another key to this is the type of game you're playing. If you're playing a D&D or a combat-oriented thing where everybody is kind of just trying to kill the monster, yeah, there's going to be a lot of stepping on each other's toes and bumping into each other. But mm-hmm. if you do something like Star Trek, where everybody has a position and everybody has a very distinct uh, role to play, um, that can work out a lot better. Um, I would uh, I, I could easily run a Star Trek campaign with, with that many people um, or Traveler or any of those kind of mm. science fiction ship oriented uh, type games. Um, so that would be a, a way of doing something with that size group too, is, is altering your game. That makes sense. Yeah. Like actually Absolutely. pick a different, pick a different type of game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Ooh, um, paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paranoia is a game that does better with more people. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah, tell them, to, tell them to get together, paranoia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody will have fun. Yes. But oh, man. Kind of, kind of back to our, our tying this to our previous point, too, and, and this was something that was kind of mentioned there, too, is you're going to have a lot of, of um, range of participation. So, you know, you might have nine people, but how many of them are going to uh, really be diving in and sticking around? Um, You're going to actually come every week. and Exactly, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you might want to keep that yeah. in mind if you're, if you're rolling up a, a game with a whole lot of people that are kind of first-time gamers, is mm-hmm. maybe plan your stories in such a way that you can have drop-in, drop-out a little bit easier. Like, you know, um, yeah, you know, some sort of mechanic or, or narrative device where, like, if a player can't show up for an episode or two, you don't have to, like, grind everything to a halt or wait for somebody to be available or whatever. So, right. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, more more schedules to have to, you know, coordinate and, and you know, the the better chance more people are going to be off uh, more fre- more frequently. Good point. I yep. can't, I can't talk today. Uh, <laughs> Out of practice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's, let's talk about something else here. Uh, something that Steve, I believe is more excited about than I am. Uh, it is a rebirth of a game from 35 years ago. Oh yeah. Dune. 
I want to hear about this. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, the the old there's a board game for Dune. Okay, and among board game enthusiast circles, um, this is kind of a big deal. Okay, like it's it's very hard to find. I keep seeing like you know people posting on on like various like like board game subreddits and stuff. But they're like, oh my god, I'm I'm looking for this thing. I picked one up on eBay for a hundred bucks. Like. You know, or somebody else is like, you know, I'm missing these pieces for it. Or like, is there any way, like, do we have resources for making your own? It's got a lot of street cred to it, basically. It's like there's sort of this this reputation that the old Dune board game was super fun and went out of print a zillion years ago and is now very valuable and sought after with collectors. And mm-hmm. we were discussing this and Mark here dropped the bombshell that he used to own it slash play it. And I, I owned it, yeah. You owned it. And I wanted to hear more about this. I unfortunately, I I don't think I've played it more than once or twice. So I don't remember a lot about it. Okay. But you uh, you play uh, rather than playing a character, you play a faction. So you, the Harkonnens or the Atreides, the Fremen, the the Spice Guild, the uh, Bene Gesserit. You know, those are all the different factions, and each one had very different rules. Um, so it's like everyone was almost playing a different game. Um, I love asynchronous mechanic. So, yes, yes, this is uh, definitely that. But yeah, you're you're shooting for control of uh, control of the planet Arrakis. Hmm. Um, very cool. And um, like, do you remember? Was it a very complex game? How long did it take to play? Things like that. It seemed yeah, it was fairly complex. Uh, you know, like well, like I say, everyone kind of had different rules, so it was you know that was definitely complex. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it was, I want to say, it definitely took, uh, I think, well over an hour. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. hour, you know, so it was, a, it was a good long game. Very cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been interested in it. I've seen things about it. Um, definitely. Now, do you still <laughs> have it, Mark? Or no, of course not. I, oh, okay. You know, probably put myself through college if I still have that, but um, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> uh, although, I, just as a pure side note, ironically, mm-hmm. I just happen to be listening to Dune right now on Audible. Oh, so cool! You okay. dropped this one, I was like, "Hey, so wait, that's, that's, that's great." Kind of funny, but uh, yeah, it's but it, but yeah, it, it's uh, the, the the article you put out said they're re reissuing it or revamping it. Okay. Yeah, it, is, it looks like they're doing a kind of a reprint. Yeah. Um is kind of what they, they were saying. Let me pull this back up here. It it needed one, yeah. I think the original had kind of dated looking art and such, so Well, it was I, I think uh there were a couple editions of it. I had the the original edition, which was uh actually I remember the art being pretty good. But then it came out with a second edition that was based on the uh the old movie. Okay. And uh hmm. I think that's where, you know, people then the movie didn't do well and that's kind of what, what uh doomed the game but what kind of uh, yeah flew off the rails there but i think they're mm-hmm. making another they're doing a remake of the movie they're okay doing a, 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 which is probably part of why they're uh they're motivated the to again? redo the board game yeah yeah the the movie remake's been sort of in the works for it's one of those like <laughs> probably as long yeah. as it took to get the original movie made right like <laughs> oh yeah known I, for being... yeah, I think they've been working on a, a remake since the first one came out pretty much yeah yeah Right. Hmm. Man. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, that will be cool. Oh, next thing. Yep. This this might be a little bit of a, a deeper topic that Mark brought here, but um, we got a real question. And that question is, what are role-playing games even? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mark, take the reins. Oh, hang on. It's not like pull up the Um, Basically, ran across this article on... Medium.com. Um, and it's asking the questions, what are role-playing games even? How are they that? Uh, and this is specifically referring to um, video role-playing games. And it goes through this very specific analysis of, first of all, defining what a role-playing game is, and then trying to apply that to video games. Um, hmm. mm-hmm. And it specifically uses the example of Final Fantasy which I was curious about Steve's take since you've actually played Final Fantasy. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll tell you what, like, and, and the, the, the article does make a lot of valid points. Basically, it's saying, in a nutshell, that role-playing games, like, because it's a genre for video games, and so, like, there's a whole lot of video games out there that are known as sort of role-playing games, and they're saying that it actually has absolutely nothing to do with role-playing anymore. Like, they've managed to completely well, divorce that, those, like, the role-playing from role-playing games. Have, has it ever been, have there ever been role-playing video games, though? Um, kind of... Yeah. Because I mean, it, it kind of breaks it down. Well, it breaks yeah. it down. Uh, so the, the, the definition, where is it here? Player controls a specific character. Uh, the character has game statistics and relatable attributes. Uh, the character has an important fictional narrative relationship with other story elements. And the player makes decisions for that character, stepping into the role and making choices as if they were that character. So it goes into, it, it uses Final Fantasy and kind of goes point by point. Does the player control a specific character? Is a big yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the character have game statistics? Yes. Obviously. obviously. Um, does the character have important narrative relationships with other story elements? And this is where it starts to get kind of questionable. Um, so, and it, and it kind of points out. But the fourth one, it says, does the player take on a role and make decisions for the PC as if they were as if they were that character. Um, and that's a hard no in Final Fantasy. <laughs> like, that story exactly. is on rail. Definitely a hard no. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh-huh. you know, based on, on those criteria, it's saying Final Fantasy is not a role-playing game. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you try to redefine uh, role-playing games, and it kind of goes through a lot of possible redefinitions, but nothing really connects to uh the tabletop role playing uh experience so you know the the final argument here is that basically saying what i've said all along there's no such thing as a video game rpg however <laughs> however it, it did kind of uh say at the end something that i found very interesting and the basic premise is that uh role playing isn't necessarily tied to the game or game type but it's more of an attitude of how you approach gaming of any kind. Um, okay. If you if you're getting into it, if if you dress up as as a uh, white king and play chess, is that role playing? You know, <laughs> um, 
you know, you could you could dress up as Pac-Man and think, you know, I am I am Pac-Man and I'm eating these pills, you know. And I'm gonna break out my my, my monocle next time I play Monopoly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know that I thought that was a kind of an interesting uh, approach in saying it's it's how you approach a game more than the play than the game definition. Um, what do you guys think of that? Well. I I both agree and disagree. Okay, now <laughs> I guess this is probably it. I definitely agree that the conventional definition of an RPG when it comes to video games does not apply at all to the definition of RPGs as it applies to tabletop games. Um, I think from their sort of four criteria list, I think the only one that's really important, like if we're if we're looking at the according to Webster's definition of role playing the act. Like, the fourth one in there, which was, like, do you make meaningful decisions that impact the narrative, is probably the only th- only one that would really apply to role-playing the abstract. Um, and yet, that one is, like, very few or comparatively few video games actually do that nowadays. And even the ones that do, or even the ones that do it well, uh, do it to such a small extent that it, you really couldn't call those video games role-playing in like in role playing as in like a thespian playing a role type of thing. So mm-hmm. honestly, yeah, I, I agree completely in the sense that like, yeah, the video games aren't role playing. On the other hand, um, from the gamer perspective of it, the term role playing game came from um, early video games that that were born out of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, um, so the reason, but, but the terminology actually came from Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. So, yes. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons made the term role playing, and then video games made video game versions of Dungeons and Dragons. They weren't actually, I mean, yes, they had Dungeons and Dragons games, but like a lot of game developers made early RPGs that were based on Dungeons and Dragons mechanics, uh, numbers, terms, concepts, monsters. Like basically, even if it didn't have Dungeons and Dragons in the name, they came from Dungeons and Dragons. And those games were called role playing games because Dungeons and Dragons was called a role playing game. So the term when it when it uh, as it relates to video games has the origin from D&D but the the verbiage the actual act of role playing is not present in video game RPGs. And of those criteria, the one where they mentioned does your character have stats? At this point, that is really the only thing that publishers and the gaming press use when they term something as a role-playing game, uh, a video role-playing game. Like, that's the only thing they look at. Like, they say Spider-Man is a role-playing game because your guy levels up. Like, if you if you have numbers on your guy and you level up, that's the only criteria it takes for some journalist to say, okay, it's, a, it's got role-playing elements. And it, it doesn't. So... I agree with the article, actually, and um, yeah, it's it's they're they're two different terms. Role playing tabletop and role playing video games, really, they don't have the same definition uh, as each other. Okay, Zach, very nice. So it, essentially, what you're saying is it is an altered, uh, an altered definition of the term. Right. Altered exactly. Yeah. Like role playing in the dictionary, like for Webster's would have like, you know, like number one would be acting and playing a role. And then number two would be an RP, uh, a, a video that game. Thing that has the video stats. games did. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is a completely separate like definition of the same word at this point. I could agree with that. I could definitely agree with that. You know, it's it, because that's saying that's going with what we've said about video RPGs this entire time. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, they're not the traditional definition of a role playing game. Yes. The problem with yeah, that you, is absolutely. trying to look up role playing games and getting the wrong thing. 
because mm-hmm. you know because everything's been generalized now. Well, yeah. yeah, I know. I know all about that as a fan of John Wick. Good luck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Steve, you had you had something about a uh, a very expensive D and D adventure. Oh yeah, let me uh, hold on. Let me bring up the verbiage on that one because I don't want to do it a disservice. But um, mm-hmm. let's see. Sorry for the pause <laughs> here. The I want to link the story. Oh, shoot. Is it called Beetle and Grunk? Or... Oh, I got the. Do you need that? I got the link. That if link you need here. It. I got it. Do you have the link? Okay, yeah. you can send me the link. There we go. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Beetle and Grim. There we go. Okay. Cool. That's good enough. Okay, um, I found through one thing or another um, uh, in the internet, um, I, I noticed that uh, somebody was making a very expensive Dungeons & Dragons module, okay? Uh, basically, um, uh, they made a, a version of the, um, I think the, Watergate, uh, the Waterdeep heist uh, done as a, a platinum edition. Uh, which means it's it's the actual module itself made by Wizards of the Coast, as well as a number of props and an extremely beautiful presentation, uh, all sold with a $500 price tag on it, okay? <laughs> um, now, I went digging into more on this, and it turned out that a company, a production company called Beetle and Grimm, and uh, it's headed by actor Matthew Lillard. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he did uh, Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo movies, and mm-hmm. he's uh, worked with Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. on any number of movies, uh, the Scream films, uh, yep. Hackers. And <laughs> I personally have a very troubled history with him. Not personally, I don't know the guy. But, like, he, he, I, I remember, like, I've always hated this actor, okay? So, like, whenever I see him in a movie, as far as I'm concerned, it's the kiss of death, okay? I didn't like his earlier stuff. I didn't like his later stuff. I didn't like anything in between. And now that I find out he's done this, and I've actually started rewatching by accident some of his older movies, dude's kind of growing on me. So I gotta say, like, Steve's oh, had yeah, a change yeah, of heart. Yeah, I really have, honestly. Like, this guy used to be like nails on a talkboard to me, and maybe it's just because I never really forgave him for the Wing Commander movie, which was just you know a traumatic event in my life. But honestly, like, okay, so back to the D and D topic. Um, so what he's done is he's he's taken these these you know pretty elaborate like multi-session game modules okay it's not just like a little tiny one-off these things are are kind of designed to be like you know big big campaigns okay and he started packaging Mm -hmm. them with a number of uh supplements and uh props basically kind of like handouts and 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 uh uh, different land of accoutrement uh, that you can hand around the table and actually hand out to your players. So, like, if you're trying to find, like, a key to a dungeon, uh, it comes with a physical key that you can hand over to your players and say, here's the key. Or, you know, things like that. So it's 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 not 
really so much of expanding the module as much as like bringing it to life with actual physical goods. Um, and it seems like a really cool concept. I, I, I kind of read his whole thing and he talked about how basically he's at sort of a point where he loves to play D and D, but like he doesn't have that much time. And he's really more about like improving the quality of the session more than improving the quantity by buying like multiple books. And, uh, I, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me. Like I could kind of see it. Like if you've mm-hmm. got, if you're only playing once a month and you really want to get the most of your D and D session, then maybe you could end up springing for, you know, a bunch of this kind of immersive thing and, you know, get yourself some candles and work on your, your atmosphere and really mm-hmm. go to town with the prep. And it could end up being something that's really, really kind of next level. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not just this $500 one either. He's got sort of a whole range of them that goes down to, I presume, the more affordable 100 bucks or something. I don't know what. But it's it, it's a really cool concept to me. And, and being that I know a lot of people here aren't super fans of modules, Mark and Zach, I kind of wanted to hear what your take on it was. <laughs> well, I think if you're going to do a module, this is the way to do it. <laughs> Uh, exactly this is uh you know it, i think it has like maps and miniatures mm-hmm. so you have a very specific um i think it talks about the example of trying to find a miniature that's kind of close but you know maybe will work it gives you the exact miniature that you need the module um and that kind of thing is is amazing um, oh absolutely so uh yeah you know if you if you really um i i i I always said I thought modules are a good way to get into a game. And if you wanted to just start with something uh, D&D-ish, this is a great way to get a brand new group in and really immerse them in, in with all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to convince my my gaming group to give me the $100 buy. There you go. The yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the real question. Well, and, and you know, as much as I like the idea of using this to like start, like jumpstart immersion, I'm not sure if I'd waste $500 on a bunch of guys I've never actually played with before. Like that could go downhill in a hurry if they're like, you know what, let's play Monopoly instead. I would literally kill someone. So true, true. That's a good point. <laughs> Man Absolutely. found strangled with but, 27 yeah. dice. <laughs> But the other <laughs> and the other side of this coin, though, is uh, once you finish that campaign and uh, you're back to uh, to creating original content and you're back to how crap oh, is man, your stuff yeah. going to be compared to this <laughs> yeah. five hundred dollar module? Yeah, that is yeah. an this is point. like last campaign for this session that or for this group that's been going mm-hmm. on for years. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Go out with a bang. There you go. Oh, absolutely. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great concept, you know, having somebody to get everything you would possibly need and more, um, you know, for this campaign is, is, you know, it's great. It's a great resource to have for, for if you have the coin. Yeah. You know, and then another interesting viewpoint of all of this is something else I saw, uh, some article recently about how D and D has finally become kind of mainstream. Okay, and I think this mm-hmm. is a real example of that. You know, the you know it's it's not just hiding in your parents' basement playing anymore. You have multiple <laughs> actual play web series. You have this kind of thing that uh, you mm-hmm. know thirty years ago a, a 
group of kids would never have access to this kind of thing. Um, oh, no. You have you have incredibly expensive game tables that are uh, on the market. Yep. Um, dice rollers and, and you know kind of stuff that uh, people are putting money into this. You know because it's it's much more and it's always been kind of an expensive hobby. But, you know, there's there's stuff now that's seen just seems so much more mainstream yeah. and uh, yeah. available. And you know, you raise an excellent point. This actually could actually be sort of a status symbol among like D and D enthusiasts. Mm. I mean, at this point, you know, it's like if, if you can, you know, show up at a thing and say, Oh, well, I've got the five hundred dollar D and D game, who wants to see it? You know, that is kind of instant yeah. respect. I mean, you know, it's it's not for everybody, yeah, but if point. this is your deal, then, you know, it's is it any worse than people that spent $500 on a replica Captain America shield or something? So, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fair. Very true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe one last thing we'll talk about, because um, it, it might take up a little bit of time, is um, is some recent news from the one and only John Wick. Mark? True. Uh, do you have me, Do you have some updates? See if I can find it. As here. our resident seventh C <laughs> uh, expert. Well, it's you know, it, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's much. It, it, it's more about news about news. Um, he, he's announcing that there's going to be an announcement. Um, Classic John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic John Wick. And and to make it even worse. Uh, the announcement's coming on April 1st. Mm-hmm. So the one day of the year that you can't trust any announcements that come out is the day that he is. Yeah, he, yeah exactly. Um, Absolutely. Basically, it sounds like uh, he may have some uh, uh, deals about uh, a deal with a, uh, a publisher to uh, kind of mm-hmm. help take over the 7th C uh, line and get things uh, back on back on track. Okay. So, um, you know, you can't, you can't say much yet because uh, I guess they're <laughs> finalizing all the deals, but apparently on mm-hmm. April 1st, there's supposed to be yeah. uh, some sort of announcement. And the interesting thing is if I read correctly, <clears throat> um, it said for both Katai and seventh C. Yes. Yes. So maybe he's going to sign a contract with somebody that will, you know, complete these. Mm hmm you know, to completion. Yes. And so, so this doesn't happen again, which is also exciting that he cares enough to, uh, okay. you know, it, to get this out to the people. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, as long as we have this press release that tells us absolutely nothing, let's go and do what the internet does, which is rampant speculation. What do you think the absolute, like Perfect. completely unfounded, the best possible announcement and the worst possible announcement that this could possibly be? Okay, Steve, I start think off with it. the worst possible. Well, it's, okay, let's go with the best possible announcement, and that could be that he's been working really hard. And guess what? Everything shipped last Thursday. You'll be getting it in the mail. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he knuckled down. He stayed up till two in the morning the other night and licking all those stamps and envelopes. And everyone's getting their stuff. Like, yeah, next Tuesday. So. We all just get pallets and pallets yeah, of yeah, books. Yeah. So that's. Just at our house, just outside the front lawn. The Amazon guys is like yeah. huffing and puffing. Yeah, they're like eight Amazon trucks. The, and... the bad news is he couldn't afford to get them published, so they're all written out on legal pads. 
And those are all being shipped yeah, out. That's, that's I, I think the worst possible uh, news that he could make is that the publisher he decided to go with was EA, and that all of the books are going to be it's all, all behind a paywall be published in loot box format. So you buy like a yes! chapter, and they send them to you one at a time. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the paywall. <laughs> the paywall. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Anybody else want to oh, go? <laughs> I'm sure I could make something. I up. think that pretty well sums oh, it up. Okay. But, but no, my biggest question though is, um, thinking as the uh, the new company taking this on. Um, it's going to be interesting because I, I'm assuming that they're taking on all of the uh, Kickstarter obligations that are that are coming along. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much all of the stuff. I mean, for for starters, you have to finish out the uh, the Seven C Kickstarter books. You know, you have to publish mm-hmm. a bunch of those and put them out and. Basically, there's no income for those anymore, so uh, those are pretty much going to be, you know, financial losses, I would think. Yeah, kind of net loss. Um, Although, on the other hand, like, the Kickstarter, you have to, uh, you know, finish them and send them out for the people in the Kickstarter. That doesn't really say anything about the people who weren't. So, like, if you then wanted to publish it in stores and send it out to the rest of the people, like, that is still up for grabs. Like, you know, the the publishing rights and profits there. Agreed, but I don't know how much of the percentage of the income is going to come from that or come from pre-sales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Katai, you might have a little bit more because that's a fresh product. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, they they might that might be a little bit better, but you still have you know significant uh, obligation. Um, and I, you know, if John Wick mm-hmm. doesn't have that that money left, that means you're you're obligated to something that. Uh, you're not getting reimbursed for so yes um i i, I again i don't know what uh, you know the financial specifics but uh, it's got to be a, a tough sell for a, a company no i can agree with that definitely i guess we'll find um, out more on april 1st yeah. yeah yeah there's a whole yeah like like steve said it's it's pretty much all speculation yeah as we all do this but um but yeah i'm looking forward to uh to the worst day of the year, <laughs> where everybody tries to pull pranks on you. Yeah, um, true. To to find out about this, definitely. But I am excited. I you know I, I've I've been kind of uh, missing some Seventh C, and it'd be nice to start getting some some stuff back in in the pipeline. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's good to hear. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one more thing, kind of directed to Steve, because I'm I've just been curious about this. Um, Steve, have you had any experience with more competitive style gaming? Video gaming? Video I gaming? mean, I've had experience with it, but it's not generally what I prefer. Um, I don't do a whole lot of right, that's, online that's versus, although I've, I've played plenty of it. I mean, I've played some Fortnite, I've played some whatever else you want to throw out there. Like, mm-hmm. I've played it at least once or twice to kind of humor the nephews. Um, I mean, I've played a couple of MOBAs, Absolutely. you know, things like that. But But overall, you know, it just doesn't really, you know, flip my switches. Yeah, absolutely. I have been recently uh, really into Rocket, Rocket League. League. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, Rocket League, Rocket League is in this group of games that involve skill and getting better at the game and at the mechanics. Um, and it's really, it's, it's a really enlightening thing to, to see yourself get better you mm. know, as you play. Well, definitely. Rocket League um, is just so compelling because there's no, like, you know, generally they have like skill trees and progression and prestige levels and all this like kind of like overtime stuff. Yeah. With Rocket League, no, it is all skill. You've got the same car, like, I mean, unless they've changed it. Um, you've got the same car as the other guy does, no matter how much he's played, no matter what else. And everybody is on equal footing every single game, which I just find like incredibly cool. Like, what a great concept. Right. Yeah, like you said, it's not in-game skill progression. It's personal mm-hmm. skill progression. Yeah, and that's that's exciting to me. You know, it's because it's not just the same thing. It's, you know, you are physically getting better now, at this game. for Mark's benefit here, Rocket League is a game about cars where you drive around and play soccer with cars. You've got a big ball, and you just try to oh, knock the okay. ball across, car you know, into the goal on the other side of the soccer field with your car buggy thing. You can jump and flip a okay. little bit, but for the most part, it's exactly as simple as it sounds. And... Also, nice. as impossible as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. So. No. Absolutely. Yeah. You're driving a car around, but they've, uh, you know, as as skills get up, you see people doing like aerial boosts Ooh. and going insane. If you haven't watched uh, pro Rocket League games, you should you should watch one. Just at least watch one. Gotcha. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's well, and crazy. I would love to see more of an esports scene for Rocket League in particular because that feels like such they have okay they have because one. like I'm they definitely have esports. Uh, it's called it's called RLCS. Okay, gotcha. I'll need to start digging that up a little bit more and watching yeah. some videos on that because it seems like such a direct translation mm-hmm. from like you know a football and traditional esports like regular sports. Like there's no way like anybody who looks at it can immediately tell what's going on. Unlike you know, whenever mm-hmm. you see absolutely these and and, like and these, yeah, these esports games they have uh, you know commentators just like sports matches mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's <laughs> it's a whole lot of fun. No, oh, yeah. it's just a lot of fun. But yeah, definitely, uh, we'll cut this episode just a little bit short here, gentlemen. Um, but thank you for joining me. It has been a pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you all next week. And that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on soundcloud.com slash tabletopradiohour and on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. You can join us over on facebook.com slash tabletopradiohour for regular updates. We also have an email address that is tabletopradiohour at gmail.com. Our website, tabletopradiohour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. I want to thank you all for listening and keep rolling 20s.